All right, so we're going to tell that old, old story now. Um, so we're starting a, uh, a, a series uh, today. Um, for the next three weeks, we're going to uh, be talking about discipleship and what it means to drop everything and follow Jesus. And uh, I, I was thinking about this because this is a, uh, a, a time when we often make resolutions. Um, we decide to uh, recommit to something that we've, we've let slide or, or maybe add uh, new commitments to our lives. And uh, I'd like us to look for the next couple of weeks at our commitment to Jesus. Now, the scene where, where Jesus calls the disciples um, is, uh, is, is familiar to most of us. I think uh, if you're like me, maybe uh, in Sunday school, you saw it on a, on a flannel graph or, or an illustrated book. Some of y'all don't know what flannel graphs are. That's fine. Um, or, or maybe you saw it in like one of those, uh, those Jesus movies, right, where Jesus uh, shows up on the, by the Sea of Galilee in his flowing robe, and, uh, and the fishermen are out in their boats, and Jesus looks at them with that piercing gaze, and he says, Come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they drop everything, and they follow Jesus. Now we're going to be looking uh, this, uh, the, these uh, next couple of weeks at uh, the account in the Gospel of Luke. And um, the Gospel of Luke actually slows it down a little bit and, and actually uh, kind of gives some backstory that explains that actually um, that day out on the boat wasn't the first time Simon Peter ever met Jesus, um, that he already had this kind of relationship with him, and that there was actually something pretty cool that happened out on the boat that made them want to drop everything and follow Jesus. And so we're going to kind of we're going to kind of get the full story um and then we'll talk a little bit um at the end about what it means to drop everything and follow Jesus. And so um I'm looking forward to it. We start this morning though with um the first time Simon was later called Peter meets Jesus. And it's not out on that fishing boat. It's actually uh, um, at a synagogue service. And so we're going to read about that in Luke chapter 4, verses 38 through 41. Hear now the word of our Lord. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people, shouting, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew he was the Messiah. This is the word of God. May it find its way into our hearts and lives this morning by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. So this story is only a couple of verses. 
And, uh, and if you're reading, especially um, like, uh, like many of us were um, uh, in December, you're reading the whole Gospel of Luke, it's easy to just blow right past this story and not pay much attention to it. But if you kind of slow down and think about some of the details and, and kind of look just beneath the surface, you find there is a whole lot going on in this story. Um, it opens up with the words, Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Just right there, there's a whole lot going on. Uh, why is Jesus leaving the synagogue? Why was he at the synagogue? And understand that, you have to back up uh, to the beginning of chapter 4. At the beginning of chapter 4, um, Jesus is just starting his earthly ministry. He's just been baptized by, um, by John in the Jordan, and, uh, and he's going to uh, start. And just like many people starting out in ministry, he starts at his home church. I know so many people that are, uh, that are preachers or missionaries or or. Um, or youth pastors or children's workers or worship leaders today, and they all tell the same story, is because someone in my home church put me in charge of something. And I kind of caught the bug. I got called. And Jesus is no different. The first place he goes is to minister to his home church. He goes to his home synagogue in Nazareth. And uh, he's invited to preach. He unfurls the scroll and begins to read from Isaiah and then expound on it. And to be honest, it does not go well. (laughs) It does not go well at all. Points one and two are received. By about point three, uh, the congregation is up in arms. And uh, and, and this uh, this, uh, worship service ends... Uh, with the entire congregation on a cliff wanting to throw Jesus off of it. So, Jesus makes an important decision right after this, after, you know, escaping within an inch of his life. I don't think Nazareth is where this is going to work out. I don't think this is going to make a good base for my ministry. These people aren't really picking up what I'm laying down. And so... Jesus decides to go uh, 20 miles northeast uh, to a town called Capernaum. And Capernaum is actually a genius place for him to start because it's one of those towns that's about, you know, 10 miles from everything else. It makes a great hub. And it's a town that's a, it's a fishing village um, on the western side of the, uh, the Sea of Galilee. And so because it's a fishing village, it's a place where people come to buy and sell. And so, um, so it's a town that, even though it's small, it gets lots of, lots of visitors. And uh, word about what he's doing is going to spread far and wide as people witness what he's doing. So he packs everything up. He goes to Capernaum. And that Saturday, he's in the synagogue again. And what a difference a week makes, right? This time, he preaches his message, and it says the people are amazed at his teaching in a good way, right? And and he drives out demons, and he heals people, and it's just this amazing service. For Jesus, it's 
the best service he's ever led in his entire life because no one tried to kill him afterwards, right? That makes it the best one at this point. And so, um, so Jesus is just, uh, just pumped after this worship service. Uh, things are finally starting to catch fire for him. And, uh, and, and so um, then it says he goes to Simon's house. He leaves the synagogue and he goes to Simon's house. Why? What is he expecting to find there? To understand that, I need to tell you about an ancient Jewish Sabbath day tradition. It's called dinner at mom's house afterwards. (laughs) Maybe you've heard of something like this, right? After the worship service, It's been a great worship service. Everyone goes to mom's house afterwards to have dinner. The best meal of the week. It's the one you look forward to all week. All your family is there. Anyone ever grew up with dinner at mom's house afterwards, after church? Yeah. See, we're not so different, are we? It's an ancient Jewish tradition. It's it's one that we keep. It's that after-worship tradition family meal. So picture Jesus. He has just had just the, uh, the, the most amazing worship experience of his life. Now everyone's leaving. And maybe it hits Jesus for the first time. Mom's house is in Nazareth. Where am I going to go to get a bite to eat? And maybe he feels a little homesick. And maybe he hears that fully human tummy of his growl a little bit. And so what does he do? He goes to Simon's house. Now, notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, And after the service, Simon runneth up to Jesus and saith unto him, Wow, Lord, that was great. That was amazing. Uh, that, that service, the way you spoke, the way you healed those people, drove out those demons, that was incredible. Listen, I would be honored if you would come to my house and eat with me. Doesn't say that. Just says Jesus left and went to Simon's house. He was uninvited, unexpected company. You know how I know that? Because Simon's mother-in-law has a fever. She's home, sick, in bed. They're not ready for company. Uh, Dinner at mom's house afterwards has been called off. We don't know how long she's been sick. Maybe they've not had dinner at mom's house in quite a while. And Jesus shows up. So imagine Simon and Mrs. Simon, they've been married maybe a year, year and a half. You know, they're very young. And uh, and uh, they get home from this amazing synagogue service. Uh, They're checking up on mom, making sure she's got everything they need. And then they just pull out um, some bread and some fish, and they're going to have a quiet meal together. (laughs) And then they hear a knock on the door. And Simon, because he's the man, he goes up to answer the door. And when he answers the door, 
it's Jesus. It's that rabbi from the synagogue. And Jesus is just uh, sort of sitting there on the porch, just standing on the porch and says, Hey, Simon, Simon, isn't it? Do you remember me from the synagogue earlier? Remember I was preaching and I was healing, I was driving out some demons. And well, I was just passing by and I smelled something good. What are y'all doing in there? You, you're eating? You're probably eating. Boy, I really miss those home-cooked after-Sabbath after meals I used to have in Nazareth. I mean, now that I live in Capernaum and I'm, you know, new to the area, I really don't have anywhere to have my home-cooked meal, but... So what are you doing? <laughs> right? And, uh, and, you know, Jesus is probably laying down the hints, right? Let me in. And Simon's just kind of kind of standing there in the doorway. Jesus is looking over his shoulder. And Simon knows he's not ready for company. And he's probably, again, this is in my imagination, probably keeping Jesus on the front porch. Have you ever done that? Kept someone on the front porch? Um, I... Uh, uh, when, when we first moved to Radford, um, the, the church over at Central assigned us some, some share, care shepherds, they called them. And these were two, there's a couple in the church and their job was every once in a while to check up on us. It's a, it a beautiful couple, Bill and Diane Lacey. And Diane Lacey is famous for this bread that she would bake. And ever so often, every three or four months or so, she would bake some bread and she would bring it, she would bring it to us. And, and we'd be excited to receive it. Everyone loves this bread. But he always, every time, just picked the worst time. <laughs> like when we were filming a disaster movie in there and, and everyone's in their PJs. And so it was always my job to like go to the door and keep Bill, uh, poor Bill Lacey on the porch. Right? He'd come bearing gifts and I'd talk to him. And, uh, and, and, you know, he, he asked if we had any prayer requests and, you know, we, we'd talk about some things, shoot the breeze and, uh, but never let that poor guy in. <laughs> I don't think he's ever seen the inside of my house. I wonder how many of us, if we're honest, are keeping Jesus on the front porch like Simon, right? We're, we're happy to go worship and see him. We're happy if he stops by every once in a while and, and blesses us with something, right? Those, uh, those the, you know, like a good neighbor, Jesus is there, right? We're happy to see him, but the thought of actually flinging wide open the door and legging him off the porch, that kind of scares us a little bit. Cut. Well, if he gets in here and sees how messy we really are and sees that we're not really ready for company, what if he sees us at our most vulnerable and exposed before we've been able to pretty ourselves up? What if he sees what we actually live like? And we're not ready for that. And so we just keep Jesus on the front porch. 
there's this amazing passage in the book of Revelation. Now, when most of us think of Revelation, we think of like, you know, dragons and beasts and fire and the end of the world, and there's plenty of that in there. Um, but it actually opens with this guy named John who's been exiled to this island called Patmos. And, and John receives this vision of the resurrected Christ who says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And then Jesus does something pretty extraordinary. He begins to dictate some letters. He says, I've got some messages I want you to send to these seven churches. And then he gives a short little letter to each of these seven churches. The most uh, famous one is probably uh, the letter to Laodicea, and, or Laodicea, however you do it. And he's uh, in this short little letter to uh, Laodicea, Jesus says, You are neither hot nor cold, but you are lukewarm. Some of you can probably complete this. And because you are lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. Or if you're King James, I will spew you out of my mouth. Right? It's pretty tough. You are neither hot nor cold. You are lukewarm. You are, you are keeping me on the porch. You are not fully committed. And because you are lukewarm, I am going to spit you out of my mouth. I noticed something when I was Christmas shopping uh, that um, uh, cold brew coffee is having a big moment right now. And you can buy all of these kits to make cold brew coffee at your home. And, uh, and, and you can uh, make your own iced coffee just like they do at Starbucks from your own home. Pe some people love iced coffee. I know people that like iced coffee better than hot coffee. I prefer a piping hot cup of joe myself. But sometimes in the summer, iced coffee, I can do it. Tell you what I can't do. I've just made my fresh cup of coffee. I go to do something, and then I come back to my desk and pick up the one from yesterday <laughs> and take a big old swig of room temperature coffee. Anyone ever done that? Your gag reflex immediately, immediately. You just can't help, but you spit that coffee everywhere. That's nasty, right? Cold I can do. High I can do, that in the middle stuff. And that's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, I'd rather you were up the road than just letting me hang out on your porch. I would rather you were a, a, a well, I would rather you were on fire for me, but I would rather you were a stone-cold atheist than just kind of be Christian-ish. Right? Now that's hard to hear. That's tough stuff. Revelations ain't easy, right? That is tough stuff. But here is how Jesus ends his letter to the church in Laodicea. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, I will come in and eat with them, and they with me. Jesus is saying, 
I'm on the front porch. I'm knocking. I'm calling out to you. All you got to do is open the door and let me in. And so that is exactly what someone does for Jesus. Someone opens the door and lets the guy in. Now, here's the thing. We don't know who. Um, the Bible is kind of hazy on that. Um, it says, let me pull up the verse right here, right? Um, Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. Interesting question. Who is they? Who is they? Are, are there some neighbors at the house? Are there some friends, loved ones? Other relatives? One of those ancient mysteries, right? Maybe it was aliens, right? Who's they? Who's they? I don't know, but I have a guess. If I had to plunk money down, I would say that they is Simon's wife, Mrs. Simon. You know how I know that? Because I'm married. <laughs> and I know what it means when the husband says, now we decided. <laughs> I had one of those, we were on vacation uh, in Florida uh, a couple months ago, and my car broke down in the parking lot at Disney World, which means we had to call Goofy Towing Service, and <laughs> ain't cheap. And uh, <laughs> the next morning, my dad said to me, your mother and I talked, and we'd really love to pay to, Get your car out of the garage, right? I said, thanks, Dad. <laughs> but I, know, I knew who we was, <laughs> right? And, and when I'm looking at this passage, I know who they is. I know every time Peter told this story, oh, we asked Jesus to come and help, right? And then Mrs. Simon would shoot Peter a look, right? We know who they is. So here's how I picture the scene. Again, this is the, um, uh, the, 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 the Danny literal translation, right? This is just, just me. This is what I'm seeing. So, so Peter is keeping Jesus on the porch, kind of shooting the breeze. Uh, 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 Jesus really isn't taking the hint. He's kind of looking over Peter's shoulder. And he makes eye contact of Simon's wife. And Simon's wife recognizes him from the synagogue service. And then she runs up to him. Hey, you, you're, you're the rabbi that was at the service and, and you, you were driving out those demons. And, and that, was, uh, that was one of my cousin's friends. And, and, and we've been trying to figure out what to do with him for years and no one's been able to help him. And you just came in like that. And I know if you can do that, you can help us. Come in here. And Miss Simon brings Jesus in. My mother is so sick. We don't know what to do for her. I know you can help her. And Jesus come bounding in, <laughs> right? <laughs> Got my invitation. Now, Jesus is hungry, so he doesn't, he doesn't waste a lot of time. He goes straight. He goes straight. He, no fancy prayers. 
you know, nothing. He goes straight to Simon's mother-in-law, and it says he kneels down. You know, he bends over. He's digging in the poor woman's face, and he rebukes the fever. Now, rebuke isn't, dear Jesus, if it's your will, will you please come in and and heal this situation, but we accept it if it's not. You know, that's the way those of us that aren't the Son of God pray, okay? The Son of God goes straight up, looks that woman in the face and says, Fever, get out! And fever gets out, right? Because Jesus is the one that has the authority. Jesus is the one that has the power. He can can command the demons. He can command the fever. He can still the the wind and the waves with his command. He has the power and the authority and the compassion. He's the one that can come in and make it right. So he marches right up to that poor woman, (laughs) bends down, looks her in the face and says, Fever, get out. And I love the very next sentence. And she got up and immediately began to wait on them, right? Dinner afterwards at mom's house is saved, right? She gets up and she starts making the meal. Isn't that amazing? Here's the thing about us. We're keeping Jesus on the porch because we're not ready for him to see what we've got going on inside. But the crazy, absurd thing is, is that, only one who can make what's going on inside right. The only one that can really restore order to the house is the one we're keeping out on the porch. We're like the guy that, that won't let the firefighters in because, because he, he doesn't want them to see the mess. He needs to sweep the ash off the floor first. Then you can come put out the fire. That's us. We need Jesus to come in. We don't need him on the porch. We need him inside making the change. But be warned. And this is what we're going to talk about for, you know, the next couple of weeks. Jesus is not about restoration. It's about renovation. Know what I'm talking about? Restoration is what they do to like old houses that were like, you know, built in 1817 something, right? And they go in and they restore it and they try and make everything look exactly the way it, it did when Mrs. Glencoe or whoever lived in it, right? Renovation is we're tearing down the walls, we're making this a new place. Getting all new stuff. We're, we're making this, we're doing a radical makeover of this place. A lot of us, we're okay with restoration. We want Jesus to come in and, 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 and sort of put back everything to right where it was before everything went wrong, right? Before we started hurting. If you could rewind my heart just to that, to that point, right before it started hurting, and then be on your way. But that's not Jesus' program. He is all about renovation. And when he comes in, yeah, he restores. You know, he's, he's got the authority to drive out that fever. He, he's the one that can restore the house. But it never ends there. It never ends with the house restored. Then 
the renovation starts. Then the radical transformation of the heart begins. See, Jesus doesn't just leave Simon that day. In fact, if you look at this, this is actually pretty cool. The very next, um, after she got up and waited on him, it says, At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Again, pay attention to the detail. It's sunset now. Um, but for Jewish people, that means one day is ending and the new day is beginning. Jesus is still around, right? They've already done the dishes, and Jesus is still hanging out. And in fact, word has gotten out to other people. Simon's house is where Jesus lives now. So as, as soon as the Sabbath's over and they can travel, as soon as the sunset hits, they're all coming out to Simon's house to meet Jesus because apparently that's his permanent home base now. When Jesus comes into our heart, he comes to make a permanent home there. He doesn't come to fix what's wrong and be on his way. He's coming for that radical renovation. Jesus has plans for Simon. He's going to make Peter out of Simon. That word Peter means rock. He's going to make the rock on which he's going to build his church out of, out of Simon. He's going to take this fisherman and he's going to make a fisher of men, right? Peter is going to be this leaguer among the disciples. He's going to be this person that in the book of Acts, he's this bold preacher and he goes out and preaches the word to all the world. He's got plans for Peter. Jesus is not about coming to your house, fixing what's wrong and leaving. He plans to stay. It's not about our invitation. Oh, please come in. Now be on your way. It's about Jesus' invitation. Drop everything and come follow me. Now, imagine that scene. We're going to get to it next week. But when they're on the boat, the disciples, they're cleaning their nets, you know, and Jesus says, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And all the disciples are trying to decide, what are we going to do? Imagine you're Simon. Well, I'd love to. But see, my mother-in-law is sick. She's at home. I'm the one that's supposed to take care of her. I've got these responsibilities. I can't leave her. You're going to have to ask somebody else. See what Jesus has done here? He had an ulterior motive. It wasn't just about lunch for him, right? He had to make the way possible so that, so that Simon could say yes. He had to take care of Simon's objection so that when he showed up on the shore that day, Simon was going to be able to drop everything and follow. God, I know, I believe with all my heart, has a plan for each of us. He's got a vision for each of us in 2019. It's not something we've already done. He's got a plan and a vision for each of us in 2019. We've got to be ready to drop everything 
We've got to stop worrying about what the inside of our house looks like. Let Jesus take care of that. Just let him off the porch. I'm going to close with this. There's a story about a woman named Charlotte Elliott. When Charlotte Elliott was a, um, a, a teenager, she loved to write. Just writing poems all the time for her local newspaper and, uh, and, was, and was constantly, constantly writing. Then when she was 30 years old, uh, she um, contracted a disease that um, left her disabled and gave her chronic pain. So she was always in pain, um, 30 on, um, really couldn't do much for herself, needed other people's help. And that just made her angry and bitter and kind of sapped her will to do things. And so writing for Charlotte Elliott just kind of fell by the wayside. Well, Charlotte had family uh, that was that had been praying for her for years, and uh, and one week a uh, a preacher is in town. He's he's an evangelist. He's doing a revival, and the family reaches out to the preacher and says, "Won't you come visit Miss Charlotte?" And so um, and so the preacher does. He shows up at Miss Charlotte's house, and Charlotte um, does not seem happy to see him, but she invites him in and. They sit down and they shoot the breeze for a little bit. And then finally the preacher makes the ask. You know, Miss Charlotte, we're having a revival tonight. And I would love it if, if you would come and worship with us. She said, why do you want me at your revival? He says, well, you know, I believe... Jesus has a call on all of our lives, and a revival is a place where you can come and, and you can hear that call. And wouldn't you like to know uh, what Jesus is, is calling out to you? And then Charlotte Elliott looks at that man and says, what would Jesus want with an old cripple like me? He's taken aback by that for just a second. And he says, No, Miss Charlotte, I don't know what Jesus wants with an old cripple like you, but I know he's calling you all the same. Now, Charlotte doesn't go to the revival that night, but those words kind of stick with her. And that night, she sits down at her desk, and for the first time in a long time, she picks up pen, and she begins to write. She writes a poem. Probably heard it before. Probably sang it before. Just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that Thou biddest me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. I come. 2019, Jesus has a plan for all of us. Even you. <laughs> all of us, even you. 
He doesn't care how messy your house is. He doesn't care what you look like without the makeup on. He just wants off the porch and into your life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.